Welcome to the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast brought to you by Keep Playing Baseball. This is your host, Ethan Gavon, coming to you from Sacramento, California. Keep Playing Baseball is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping every high school baseball player navigate the recruiting process and play college baseball. At Keep Playing Baseball, we don't think money should dictate college baseball opportunity, and all our resources, including this podcast, are 100% free. No signups, no fees, no strings attached. We'll use the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast in many different ways, but the main point is to get you the information you need to keep playing baseball. We appreciate you tuning in to the best source of recruiting information on the go. On today's episode, we're joined by Brian Dempsey, owner and director of Power Baseball and Turn to Sports and Performance in Central Florida. Brian has spent his coaching career helping high school players make it to the next level and has successfully guided over 400 recruits and families through the recruiting process onto college rosters at every level. A guy who lives and breathes baseball and is well regarded by college coaches up and down the East Coast. We're happy to have him on to talk about college baseball and the recruiting process. Brian, thanks a lot for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, man, excited to be here. So why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about your career in baseball, how you got to be where you are right now. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like most guys that kind of do what I do um, as far as just kind of helping people through the recruiting process, draft process, so on and so forth. You know, I was fortunate to play college baseball. My freshman year, we were Division II. We transitioned to Division I. So, you know, with that experience now being able to see the difference of the two levels or really how much closer they are than people realize was is, is kind of cool now that I'm in a position to help guide play, uh, players and families through this process to help them find the right fit. But um, yeah, I played. And then as soon as I got done playing, like it was, there was really kind of there was no giving it up. There was no retiring. It was just a, it was just a transition from being between the white lines to being in the dugout and, you know, being on the other side of the white lines. So there was, there was no part of me that was ever willing to give up being a part of the game. And, um, you know, the more I got into it, um, the more I almost felt like, I don't even know, I might've loved coaching more than I actually enjoyed playing. So just over the years and like anybody else that's young and hungry, I was, coaching multiple teams. I was coaching in a collegiate summer league at the same time while I was doing 16U travel ball while also helping out with a 14U team and then instruction as well with kids as young as seven and eight years old. So kind of just diving in, you kind of you start building different networks and you start seeing the differences of coaching, you know, a seven and eight year old and also, you know, everything up to a college player and everything in between. Um, Like I said, you build a lot of different contacts and networks. And I've just been fortunate enough to kind of build a good Rolodex, so to speak, of, of, of networks to be able to allow me to kind of help players all the way from the ages of eight up until college. I want you to dive into that a little bit more because you truly have seen the recruiting process from just about every level, both in terms of uh, being a player and getting recruited and then coaching. Um, you're a guy that can really maybe bridge the gap and help some people understand the recruiting process from all angles, whether that be uh, travel ball coach, uh, working at a facility, high school coach, you name it, you, you've done it. Um, can you dive into that a little bit more and talk about how that influences the way uh, you go about the recruiting process? Yeah, it's funny actually you use the term bridge the gap. I use that term on a daily basis because if I had to give my 
job title a daily objective that's constantly bridging the gap of some kind um you know with the recruiting process it, as as fun as and exciting as it can seem it's actually for a lot of families um a lot of stress and unfortunately there's a lot of unnecessary stress that these families and players put on themselves um and it's the biggest reason is because they haven't bridged a gap of either where they're at as a player realistically um where they kind of fit in the grand scheme of things of what level they can play out so on and so forth or just listening to a lot of bad information on how to go about the recruiting process, how to get yourself out there, you know, so on and so forth. Um, a big issue that a lot of players and families do is they, they kind of compare it to sports like football and basketball, which is like even the, the ethics of how to go about things in, in football and basketball is completely different than baseball. Um, and then just listening to a lot of what other parents or players have gone through before them, because what they don't realize is every scenario is is really its own and individual of its own. So um, the, 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 the thing that I feel like I'm constantly having to, once again, bridge the gap on is that there's a lot of different perspectives and angles to kind of look at this from. You have the college coach who is really, he's trying to go find players, right? He's trying to find the best players possible for them to go right. win a conference championship, a national championship, so on and so forth, or whatever level they're at. Uh, along with that, they want to have high character players, of course, that they don't feel like they have to babysit to either go to class or, you know, not get in trouble off the field. Like they want their jobs to coach baseball. That's what they want to spend their time doing is coaching baseball, not right. being an academic advisor or, you know, being a disciplinarian off the field. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got so you got the college coaches perspective, you know, then you've got the parents perspective, which uh, I say this is as as. Understandable. I understand this as much as possible from their angle, but you know, little Johnny does no wrong, and he was the all-star, and he's played shortstop at his high school, and I just don't understand. He's always been one of the best players, and they just have to understand. They take kind of the mommy and daddy goggles off. That you know, you got four hundred eighty-five thousand high school players in the country, and you know, at any level, at Division One, you know, or Division Two, you're talking about the top two to four percent of the country, and that's just to even like be on a roster, not right. Like, actually playing right so um you know not understanding that you know the, the the list of schools that they make um you know say there's 10 schools on a list and their son is a catcher you know recruiting a big time a lot of it is timing and need and you know maybe out of those 10 schools that they put on the list they're like oh for sure my son's good enough to play at, at least two or three of these schools uh and you know what they don't realize is well two or three of them can't take a catcher in that class because they're kind of loaded in that position and then you know two or three other ones you know play a very niche style of baseball maybe they're runners or they're like real heavy on like left-handed hitters and you know little johnny isn't a runner or a left-handed hitter even though he's a really good player and play at that level all of a sudden now you're down to three or four schools and what happens if little johnny doesn't perform well in one or two in front of one or two and then the one or two he does perform well in front of you know they already have an offer out to a kid uh, that plays that position or you know they have him as number two or three on their list right so there's like a hypothetical scenario that i just created that is way more common than what people realize so right. um once again understanding that the parents have to kind of take the mommy and daddy goggles off and sometimes that can be uh, very difficult uh completely understand that and you've got the player who you know is is looking at it and he feels like he's working super hard and he's putting all this time in 
you know, and I think one of the biggest lies that's told the kids nowadays is that if you work hard, you can achieve your dreams. And um, I, I, I really think that's a we're setting kids up for failure by telling them that because just because you work hard doesn't guarantee you anything like that's just that's just not how this game works. In my opinion, that's not really how life works. I think there's people that work really, really hard every single day and they get fired from their job or they, you know, they don't get this, the, the sales commission that they were looking for or just even look in the major leagues and in, in, in college baseball. I bet you every single major league organization and every single college program in the country thinks they work really, really hard and that their their work ethic is unmatched and relentless. Well, there's only one national championship and there's champion and there's only one World Series winner every single year. So just because you work hard doesn't mean that you're going to achieve all of your goals and dreams. It's just going to give it's the building block to help give you the best chance possible to do that. So once again, from the player's perspective, You've got them looking at it as like, oh, I work super hard. I'm good. I, I've had a lot of success. I just don't understand, you know, why people wouldn't want me. You've got mom and dad looking at it as like, well, little Johnny does no wrong and my kid's so good. And then you've got the college coaches perspective where they're looking at maybe a thousand to two thousand players in a year and they need to go find seven. Like they have the luxury of being picky. So, yeah, you know, bridging that I'm here. I am in the middle of it. Right trying to help bridge the gap to make sure that mom and dad aren't setting their kid up for failure, emotional failure. The kid is having realistic expectations, but also being honest with these college coaches with the level of play that th- this kid can play at, you know, on initial, uh, you know, conversation, because if I'm not honest with that coach, I'm taking away opportunities for kids in the future because they're never going to listen to me again, because either they think I can't evaluate or they thought I purposely just tried to sell them a kid that, that, that really wasn't good enough to play in their program. So having that, honesty across the board is not always the easiest thing to you know mom dad player or college coach but it's it really is the 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 foundation of making this whole process um go be the best fit for everyone all all all, you know all included right and if i'm hearing you correctly you're not out there trying to crush people's dreams or tell them not to do this you're just trying to ground the recruiting process in reality and honesty which is ultimately going to give the kids and the parents the best chance at finding a lasting fit that's going to provide them with a college baseball experience and a college experience off the field that they're looking for. Is that correct? Yeah, that's a hundred percent right. I'm actually glad you said that. Cause I, I, I you know, no, but the thing I talk about with players all the time is self-awareness. And one thing with me is I know that I'm just, I very, I just kind of put the information out there and sometimes that can come across that way that I'm, that I'm like, wow, I'm making it sound like this is an impossible thing and I'm crushing all your hopes and dreams. That's not what I'm saying at all. So I'm glad you said that. It's just the realities that, but Hey, you know, you've got to put your ego to the side and you've just got to, you know, control the controllables and don't get emotionally attached to things um, you know, in your mind, you know, because a lot of times you might be setting yourself up for some, some extra stress, but no, you're exactly right. I mean, there's a place for almost any kid that is going to play varsity baseball. There's almost every kid, he's going to have an opportunity to play somewhere if he looks hard enough, um, and, you know, opens up, you know, outside of his hometown or outside of his state, outside of his region, and also opening their eyes to all different levels of baseball. Yeah, and and if we're being honest, right, it's not that anyone's doing this maliciously or by design. It's just that if you've never been through the recruiting process before as a player or a parent, there's really no reason why you'd understand exactly how you should be going through this. Do you think that's fair? 
Oh, I couldn't. Yeah, hundred percent fair. That's actually something I try to get across on a regular basis as well. Is this is a very very niche thing, just in general, like college baseball recruiting, and then on top of it, every player scenario really is individual of its own. Like I said, recruiting is first off timing and need. You know, the level of player which the player is currently at, you know, does, you know, from, you know, coaches, you know, professional opinion of evaluations, does this player project to continue to get better or physically grow and mature or is he maxed out? What is the player's financial situation like pending for some of these schools are up to $75,000 a year, right? Um, what is the kid's academic scenario, you know, situation like? Um, so there, there are so many different, and every time one of those factors changes, it really does change a lot of things in the process. So every year, every kid is really individual of its own. Yeah. And so it's a really interesting perspective, right? Because within the recruiting process, there are these concrete steps and we talk about them on our website, right? We break it down into 10 steps for simplicity's sake, but there are these elements of the recruiting process that every kid is going to go through, Right. You're going to have to uh, get in contact with coaches. You're going to have to perform in front of coaches. You're going to have to be good at communicating with coaches. And then you're likely to go on a campus visit and so on and so forth. But within these bigger steps, everything is individualized, right? The timing's individualized. The way you communicate with coaches and the different coaches that you talk to is individualized. So it really is a balance of being able to take lessons from other people like you've done throughout your career to better inform the people you're helping now. And then also understanding that it is a very personal experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everything you said was like hit the nail on the head with like how it goes. And it's almost, you know, whenever I've tried to, you know, there's sometimes I've tried to help out some people that maybe like live in another state. And it's just like through like a good friend of ours or someone in our program, maybe it's like a family member and, you know, they just don't feel like they're getting the same type of guidance at which, you know, um, you know, we've been able to provide for our people. So it's, it, it makes it difficult because I have to ask questions and you really have to kind of be able to see the player for, for me anyway, right. To be able to say, okay, like this is when your timeline is probably going to start because of this is kind of where you're as a player. So, you know, that being said, this is how you need to go about it. So it, it really honestly does vary from kid to kid. Um, like I said, with all of those factors that we had talked about earlier, over timing and need for different programs, level of play where they can play at academic and financial situation. Um, and then one thing we haven't touched on is really kind of maturity to the player. Like, you know, there's, some kids that are super mature and, you know, they know they want to go to a school because, you know, they want to be a pediatrician and they're a 15 year old and they already know that about themselves. And you got other kids that, you know, you know, that just are nowhere. They're just not that far along on knowing specifically right. either what they want to do from an academic standpoint or just have never even really kind of thought about the college process because it, I mean, this is a life decision you're making. So sometimes just because the player is ready to be recruited because colleges are interested early on, doesn't mean that individual player is, is really ready to make a decision. Right. We had one parent explain, explain it to us this way. And, and she said, you know, my son can't even find his shoes in the morning. How is he supposed to make this <laughs> lifelong decision? And I can tell you just off of that right there, I would have like loved to help that family, like guide them through the process because <laughs> that's, that's the most difficult thing right there is to get mom and dad to like, like, to, like to just have the correct perspective of where their kid is at, like emotionally as a kid, so on and so forth. So believe me, that, that's, 
plenty entertaining and uh, it's probably music to my ears when I hear parents say things like that about their kids. <laughs> exactly. Why don't we stay on this topic? It really is a delicate role for parents, right? Because on the one hand, college coaches want all the communication to, to go through the recruit and they want the recruit to initiate everything. But at the same time, you do have a lot of players who shouldn't be making this decision alone. We talk a little bit about what you found in terms of the ideal role of the parent in the recruiting process. Um, I know we like to use the analogy of, of a backseat driver, right? So if the kid, the recruit is the, uh, the driver who recently got their learner's permit, you have the parent being the backseat driver. And obviously you're not flipping the keys to your son and uh, taking a nap. You're going to give him the help that, that he needs inside the car but from the outside of the car to the college coaches, it looks like your son is driving that vehicle. That's something we, we talk about at Keep Playing Baseball. But what have you found is the best way that parents can be appropriately involved in the recruiting process without kind of overstepping those boundaries? I'm, I'm going to keep running with that backseat driver analogy, right? So let's like, you know, I'll just kind of start creating some scenarios. And I think it'll be obvious on like which way it is the best way for the parent to go about it. You know, you've got the backseat sure. driver that sits there and uh hey you're going about you need you need to slow it down about two or three miles an hour okay now now you need to speed it up you're kind of like well now you need to get over in the right hand lane and mm-hmm. we'll turn the music a little bit down a little bit well you got to change your hand position at that point if you're driving right you're just kind of like geez shut up right you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and just like you know um so you you have the parent that does that because then they can honestly say well i am letting him kind of do this that and the other it's like well you're not because you're you're having him do it, but you're not allowing him to breathe. Right. Um, you know, then you've got, um, you know, as you put it, the, 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 the backseat driver that, you know, says, okay, it's your time to drive and I'm going to go take a nap in the process. Right. And doesn't really kind of check in or really, it's not attentive. That doesn't even really have any conscious awareness of, of where the process is going or who, who the, who the player is contacting with, how they're contacting with them, so on and so forth. So, um, you know, so I, I really think the parent, if, you're, if your kid is not asking you questions, then you need to ask yourself, am I not involved enough or am I involved too much? Because I know when I first started driving and I started, and I started actually getting behind the wheel, I definitely had some questions on how to go about some things. Just like anything else when you're first time learning something, you know, writing an email, like how do I structure it? You know, how concise do I, or lengthy do I need to be? You know, um, so I think the parents overviewing those types of things, you know, and maybe every once in a while, you know, if they see that their son is not, doing something they need to do instead of just telling them, maybe prompt them with a question that is going to get them on the wavelengths to get them to where, to help guide them where you're trying to get them to without flat out doing it for them. Yeah. Interesting connection that I just thought of when you were talking about that is, you know, earlier you mentioned there's no guarantees, right? And people think that if they work hard, they deserve, you know, whatever they want, which, you know, you honestly and, and openly said wasn't the case, but one thing that you will, I, I guarantee you, you will get in the recruiting process as you go through, if you let your kids, you know, take the reins and learn, is they're going to develop skills that are going to benefit them later in life. They're developing leadership skills uh, and, and skills that are going to help them be a functional member of society later on. That I guarantee you they will do if parents are appropriately involved. Yeah, and there's no doubt, especially in 
right? And like today's day and age to where, you know, I mean, I can remember when I was 15 years old, I didn't have any, I didn't, there was no need for me to have an email address, right? Like I didn't have to have the discipline of like checking an email. Um, you know, now like that, that is just so prevalent in our everyday, you know, how our world functions, you know, having kids getting under the discipline of like understanding like how to not only have an email address and it shouldn't be like Fortnite champ at AOL.com, you know, <laughs> when they're, when they're doing something that's, you know, supposed to be professional, um, you know, so understanding like at least the whys of things like little details like that make like a major difference, obviously, as you get into like the professional business working world, uh, you know, how to actually understand etiquette of writing an email, like understanding that grammar is important and not writing in shorthand, you know, so right. a lot of those, like, that's just one area, right? And then just, I mean, the, probably the, one of the best pieces of advice I was ever told um, was that, you know, it got to have good interrelational skills. You've got to have good personal skills because there's not many jobs out there to where you're not going to be interacting or working with people for in some degree, you know, and right. when you're talking about the college recruiting process, like that's really kind of, that's what you're doing with. That's part of it. It's like people, they want to get to know you as a, as a person, just like you should want to get to know these coaches, like as a person and how they interact and what their styles are, so on and so forth. So just, having those relational skills, you know, within people and communication skills is going to be relative for everything they're going to do for the rest of their life. Yeah. A really a good point, right? You're trying to figure out the best way in the recruiting process. You're trying to figure out the best way to present the best version of yourself. And a lot of that is what you're going to do for the rest of your life as you are trying to get jobs and maintain jobs and, have a family and so on and so forth. No doubt. Let's transition a little bit. So I'm sure you've helped, you know, we have it down here over 400 people. Is that correct? Over 400 recruits and families through the recruiting process. Yeah, I've personally been involved with either the college coach, the parent, the player, to some degree of give or take around 450 at this point. Wow. So you've you've been through it enough times to see some your fair share of mistakes. What are what are some of the most common mistakes that you see players make during the recruiting process? Unrealistic expectations, viewpoints on timelines where they project um, and on the player's angle, um, not understanding how much better or the areas in which they truly need to get better at as a player. So if I'm a recruit. What's the the number one way? Let's say I have no money to spend on the recruiting process. What's the best way for me to get that honest and objective feedback that I need? Hmm. You know, I guess that's that's probably one of the more difficult questions you could ask me, which probably seems like a pretty simple one, just because for me, I just I'm like, hey, just listen, listen to us and our staff, because this is right. what we do is evaluate. Right. So, um, you know, part of me wants to say, hey, you know what, like. You know, if for whatever reason you're, you know, there are some camps and clinics that you can find out that, you know, of some things that people can kind of attend and there's some small free ones at some different places. Um, but, you know, so you can kind of ask maybe a high school coach that he plays for or any coach that they've had in the past that they respect, like kind of where they see that they project as a player. 
Um, I, I, I want to say that's okay, but I also don't want to, because there are a lot of people out there that just don't have the proper evaluation skills or, or experience or knowledge to give, to give good advice. Cause I have also seen that it's kind of a slippery slope to where some players said, well, my so-and-so coach has told me for years that I'm a division one player. And I'm like, Hey man, I, I hate to disagree, but I've been doing this a lot and uh, I, I can't say that I feel you're in that same boat. So, um, you know, getting as much feedback as you can as possible from different people of coaches that they have played for any yeah. other maybe showcases or camps that they've attended in the past, because I'm sure there's going to be some type of pattern um, within that feedback that they get once you start to talk to, you know, eight, 10, nine, 10, 11 people. Yeah. And I think, you know, honestly, I think you might've answered the question with your non-answer, which was, you know, you're, you're talking about being unable to determine if someone really understands college baseball well enough to tell a kid where to go. So maybe that's the answer, right? Is finding someone who does know college baseball very well is familiar with, you know, both the high school side and the college side and is willing to tell you what they think. Is that yeah, fair? That's for sure. I mean, like that's if a player and a family has that as a resource, there's nothing more valuable to them than having someone that is knowledgeable of how to evaluate and project what is going to translate skill-wise from one level to the next. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it wouldn't have to be a written evaluation or a number system or anything like that. If I'm on a team and I'm playing against whoever, power baseball, and I'm, I'm playing against you, and I come up to you after the game and I say, hey, coach, I'm just trying to get a better understanding for where I'm in the recruiting process, you know, where I might fit at the college level. I know I don't play for you, but can you give me some ideas about what you thought I need to improve on or where you see me being able to play? You know, if that was to ever happen, I, I would have so much respect for that kid. It's crazy. Um, and I can't speak for anyone else other than myself. I I really am just kind of cut from one cloth when it comes to this stuff, which is just as, I mean, I guess maybe even brutal honesty, but I'm always going to be completely honest with a kid. Um, so I would absolutely like love it if a kid did that. I would think that kid is going places and there's a lot of special qualities about that. Um, but yeah, and, and I would be more than happy to, 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 to tell a kid what I thought of them in the small sample size that, um, that I got a chance to see him in. Yeah. And I think, you know, the worst thing that can happen to a kid when they do that, when they seek the opinion of someone who, who does this and knows the process well, is that that person is going to say no or ask for money. And then you just move on to the next person. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, you know, and you may run into that here and there, but to be honest with you, <laughs> it's contrary to what some of the people believe it, these these travel baseball organizations and coaches, you know, everyone. I don't know if everyone thinks that we all live on million dollar boulevard yeah. or whatever, but it it is far from that. I I can tell you that. And and anyone who's running a travel baseball organization, I can tell you, is doing it because they have a love for baseball and they have a love and a desire to help players achieve their goals and assist them in that process and achieve their dreams of playing at higher levels, just like they had people that helped them with it. So I can promise you that if 
I would like to think that almost every single coach, if they were approached by a player in another organization that they just played against or whatever, they would take a few minutes to have and to give them some objective feedback on where they're at without a, having any other qualms. Yeah, I mean, just a great lesson for recruits to understand is, you know, just ask, take the initiative and ask. And the worst thing that's going to happen, and it, and it probably won't happen, is you'll just get turned away. Yeah. And then you just keep going. I um, mean, for, for, for a perfect example of this, to be honest with you, you know, we were talking earlier, I say give or take 450 or so in the recruiting process. To be honest with you, like, you know, I do I do keep a list. I kind of keep a collective list as, 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 you know, anything I'm a part of and a kid commits and, you know, we celebrate and we're super excited when a kid, you know, commits to a program. Um, so I, I've looked back at that list recently and I put, there's some kids on the list that, that they're the kid or the parent might really honestly have no idea who I even am. You know, I may have seen that kid play a lot or he played on another team within, you know, a past organization before I used to help run an organization, uh, a travel ball organization and I'd seen the kid play a lot really liked what I saw, knew his high school coach or the guy that coached his specific team within that travel wall organization, thought he was a great fit for, you know, a certain college, knew the knew a coach there, called him up, said, hey, you need to see so-and-so. And then next thing you know, that, that college coach is still calling me, asking me for information, you know, as after, even after they've seen them, so on and so forth. So there's, wow. there has been some times to where, and, and I'm not the only person that's done that. I can promise you that I know there's player, there's there's guys I know that coach in other organizations that have told me, hey, I really like so-and-so on your team. I told X college about them. You know, they're going to be contacting you here soon. And then next thing you know, a few months later goes by, and that's where that kid ended up going to school. So really all of us are genuinely in this together, even though we compete against each other, just like anything else, so on and so forth. But the one thing we all have in common is we want to see these kids – as many kids as possible play at the highest level of baseball that they can play at. Yeah. And again, I mean, you're just dropping nuggets out there for everyone, but I mean, what a, what a great lesson in that, right? It it doesn't matter. You may think you're not playing in front of anyone. You just got to play the game the right way. And it's going to, it's going to really benefit you. You know, you just never know who's watching. There's no doubt about it. This really is. So it's, 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 it, that is probably, one of the more rewarding things kind of being in the baseball community is that a lot of people we're, we're all kind of pretty connected, whether we know it or not um, with, with all of our individual networks. But the biggest, the reason why it's so connected is because we're really honestly just trying to help the kids as much as possible. Let's stick with that connections idea, right? Uh, obviously, you know, well, not obvious to the listeners, but you know, college coaches from, you know, from Maine to Southern Florida, right? You, yeah. I, I don't even want to try and guess what, what that Rolodex looks like in terms of number of coaches that you are familiar with and, and are familiar with you. But when a coach contacts you about a player, what's the most common thing that they're asking you about? Uh, there's pretty much three things we get. First off, what do you think of them as a player? Uh, what do you, and then you just, we usually give a small breakdown of kind of what his skills are, what areas might need to be improved, why I think that he would be able to help this skill or this thing about this player could help a college program or could have a role, so on and so forth. Uh, the second thing is grades, which is obviously it's just 
transferring information, right? I mean, that's right. just, this is his GPA, this is his test scores. Uh, and then the other, they always asked, uh, what do you think of him as a kid? Would you go to war with this guy? You know, is this a guy you would have on a team if you were putting together a team? Pretty much any of those questions, you know, all asking the same thing. Like, wh what do you got on him as a person? And is this someone that you would want to go to war with? All right, let's 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 take that one step further. If you are building your ideal college baseball recruit, just like a video game, what skills are you going to give him that are a, a hundred? What are the two or three things that you're really maxing out on? The first skill that I'm going to mention is probably not on a lot of people's like lists of what they think I would say of arm strength or foot speed or power or, or defender. Um, the honest competitor. That'd be the very, the very first. I mean, I, I honestly think that's a skill is, is being understanding that like I've got to be the best competitor on the field and it's not manufactured. It's not fake. It's not, I throw an eye of the tiger and all of a sudden I act like I'm Rocky. Like, is it, is that a, is that a skill and a quality that they know when it's game time, when it's game day, like I am so ready to go by the time that first pitch happens. And then every pitch throughout the game is that my entire goal, first and foremost, is I'm going to outcompete everyone out here. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, and then, and then other than that, right. As far as like, we're talking about on-field skills is, you know, is I think it's got to have balance just like anything else, right? Like there's got to have, you've got to have a good balance of, what you've got from an offensive standpoint for in different ways to score, you know, you obviously you know whether it's, you know, the long ball, whether it's being physical enough, whether it's being able to run and you're going to find your different styles and niches that different people like to play. Um, but like I said, for me, it's, it's probably these skills are probably looked at as character traits, but it's, it's being a competitor. It's about having a relentless toughness and being able to handle adversity because that's, everything about what this game is, is just handling adversity mm -hmm. um, and, and, and team morale. There's, there's really nothing bigger than team morale. I mean, you could have the most talented group of tough guys uh, around, but if, if it's not, if there's not something that's bringing that team together on a regular basis and how that happens is through individuals, you know, buying in and being good team guys, being good dugout and clubhouse guys, because this game is the only game that's meant to be played every single day. And people want to call it a grind, this, that, and the other. It just can't be one guy that carries everyone from an emotional standpoint, because that's just not sustainable when, you know, in, in college baseball, to win a national championship at any level, you're going to play, have to play, around 70 games over a, over a four or five month span, you know, it's just you, when you spend that much time on the field and you spend that much time every single day for half a year and then the professional level, almost the entire year, there's, there's no way that there's only one person that can be the emotional rock for the team. It's going to have to take a group of individuals that are going to pass the baton of who is going to be able to, hold up the energy and hold up the morale when adversity happens, you know, and pass that around and have a different responsibility and different people are going to have to take that as, as the season goes along. And you know what I love about that answer is the fact that all of these are learnable skills that you just mentioned. So all the things that you're talking about wanting to max out that, that are basically required to be a good college baseball player, those are all things that players have complete control over. No doubt. Right. Exactly. Like, and, and that's, that's, 
in one way the most encouraging, but also the most frustrating thing at times because it's so encouraging yeah. that anybody can do it. But it's also frustrating because, unfortunately, to find players that have all three of those things and truly have all three of those things, uh, a relentless competitive toughness that with that's going to be a, the ultimate team guy, like to find that is not that easy. So um, no. it's encouraging because anyone can become that. It really can. It's just about dropping your ego and just understanding that can I really honestly control these things and how important are these things to me? Cause if a player will really make, instead of the, all of the commitment being on, I've got to be able to make the backhand on the hole and, and pole and, you know, and be able to throw the ball over there. My arms got to get stronger. Yeah. Is that important? Of course it is. Yeah. You know what? Like maybe cutting down on my swing and miss and under being better in situational hitting, uh, you know, opportunities like, yeah, are all that are those skills that players should work on and improve a hundred percent, but they don't mean anything if you don't have those other characteristics that we had, you know, just discussed. So, and because that's controllable, I think if every player made that their best focus, like, was was I a competitor today the entire day? Like, was I engaged the entire time? Like, at the end of the day, was I was I honestly happy? You know that even though we went zero for three with two strikeouts, that we and I didn't play well, the team still won the game, and I'm in a good mood afterwards because of it. Because at the end of the day, it's a team sport that we won. If players focused on having that type of outlook and approach to their individual game all of those other skills that we talked about and being able to make the backhand of the hole, like being able to be better in situational hitting, I guarantee that those skills improve as, along with it. Love that. Love that conversation. You know, just because it's possible, it's not easy. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, only 10 to 12% of high school baseball players are making it to the next level. And, it, you know, you, you do have to put in the time, you do have to put in the effort and by no means is it easy. Um, I want to flip the script a little bit. We've been talking about a lot about what college or, you know, college prospects need to do to make it to the next level. How about if, if I'm a recruit and I'm going to look at college programs, what are some red flags for, for the program that I should be looking for as I go through the recruiting process? What's something that a program might do or a coach might say, that should cause me to pause and, and look a little bit deeper. You know, these, these college guys are pretty good. I'm not gonna lie for the most part. Um, it, there's, they, they're pretty good with the communication. You know, at the end of the day, they're, they're trying to hunt players, right? They're trying to fish for players and they realize that if they're interested in this player, they're probably not the only person they, they have competition out there. So for the most part, they are pretty good about laying out the red carpet. Um, my thing would be to like, how genuine is that? Hey, we're laying out the red carpet. Or are they telling me all these, you know, promising me the whole world? Hey, you're guaranteed to start as a freshman. You know, this, you know, center field is your position when you get here. Like those would probably be the biggest things that would like, if I'm the player or if I'm guiding a player and, and, they, and I tell them, hey, a college coach tells you that. Just throw it back at them and say, like, but, like, is it is it really mine? Like, at the end of the day, like, I'm going to have to come in here and earn this just like anyone else, right? And if the answer is no, it's still yours, to be honest with you, that would be a big red flag to me because then I would question how this, this coach is running his program that, all right, I'm, I'm not even here yet, and he's guaranteeing it's my spot. Like, 
you know, like, like that, like now it's not even an environment where people can kind of compete and win things. It's kind of predetermined um, like that. That would be a major red flag to me. How about in terms of offers and deadlines? Is there anything that should raise the red flag for recruits in terms of getting deadline for a, for a scholarship offer or a roster spot offer? You know, it, very difficult for me to answer generically, even though I'm going to try to, because like we talked about in the recruiting process for every player is it's the, it's, it's individual of its own. Um, it, it varies. Right. So um, there's some college coaches, that's just their style. Like they are to high pressure. Here's the offer. I want an answer within a week. I want an answer within 48 hours. I think that's the college's prerogative to be able to do that. Right. Just like, any it's 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 a, it's a more aggressive sales pitch is really mm-hmm. kind of all it is right um then you've got the people that say hey the offer's out there and there's no timeline but we're going to keep recruiting like as if you told us no and if someone else says yes and the money's gone we're gonna have to call you one day and say hey sorry the offer's now this or hey sorry now the offer is off the table completely so on and so forth so um i think it's about understanding the styles and then understanding like, you know, if I'm a sophomore in high school and they tell me I have 48 hours to commit, like, I, that's a red flag to me, right? Like, why do I have 48 hours to commit? I haven't even finished. I still have over half my high school career left. Like, you still have two years to recruit players in my class. Like, what, why do I have 48 hours or a week to make a decision? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and then sometimes they might have a legitimate answer for that. So not being able to, afraid to ask why that is, you know, if you're a, if you're in the fall of your senior year and it's a week and a half before the early signing period and they say, Hey, we need an answer in five days. Like then I kind of get it from the college coach's perspective. Like, and also even from the player, it's like, all right, like it's, we're not sitting here. We shouldn't be so cavalier about things. Like there is a, a clock that's ticking. So, um, you know, I think it's about just understanding and being able to discern like what, you know, does this actually make sense for why they would have this timeline on me, given where I'm at in the process as am I a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you know, where they're at as far as like, you know, size of what is the size of the scholarship offer? Because I can get that, too. If a kid's got it, if a college coach gives a kid a 75 percent offer, like that's really, really aggressive in, in, in the college baseball world. Right. So if that's the case, they could probably go get three guys with that amount of money. So you know, with that, I do think like that would then make sense to have a little bit higher of a timeline. But if it's like a, Hey, this is a walk on offer or 25% offer. And, you know, you're a junior or a sophomore and they're trying to pressure you at that point, I think it's like, Hey, you know what, there's, there's, this is a little bit of a red flag here. I think I've got more time and I think that might be balking a little bit. Right. Do you think when conversations progress to that stage that it's okay for recruits to ask for more specifics. Like, hey, we want we want to know whether you're going to accept this offer in 48 hours. Is it okay for me as a recruit to turn around and say, why do you need to know in 48 hours? What's what's the hurry? Um, yeah, I think I think there's really an acceptable way to almost ask anything. You just some things might need a little be a little have a little more tact to them than others. You yeah, know, I, um, I probably did not. Uh, yeah, <laughs> phrase that very tactfully. Yeah, I probably you know. Uh, I'm just curious why you need to know in, in 48 hours about my decision. You know, I, I would like to consider it a bit longer. 
Yeah. Or and, and I, I was thinking my timeline is a little bit longer than that. Is there, you know, can you explain a little bit more about why you need to know in 48 hours? Yeah, absolutely. And, and then obviously that answer could be an in, in infinite amount of things of, of the rebuttal that they could have to that question. But do I think there's anything wrong asking that tactfully? I don't. And I think if the college coach has an issue with that, as long as it was done tactfully, once again, like would be kind of a red flag to me. So, you know, and, and this is something we talk about a lot and you need the information from the college coaches to make a fully informed decision. And, you know, would you agree that it's a red flag if, if a coach isn't willing to give up that information when there's really no reason for them to be holding it back? Uh, yeah. You know, once again, it's hard for me to give a, a straight yes or no, because sometimes there are some, in, like there's some things that could be happening, like, you know, as far as the coaches, you know, perspective or coaches situation that it's not necessarily always a need for them to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, for the, for generically speaking, like, yeah, like I, I, I I don't know why some information would be held back if a player tactfully asked the question. All right. We're going to move on to five quick fill in the blank questions and feel free to expand on these if you want to. Otherwise I'll just roll right through them. Number one, when a recruit does blank, college coaches can't cross them off their list quickly enough. Uh, I'm going to say either bad social media or zero hustle. So when a recruit does bad social media or doesn't hustle, college coaches can't cross them off their list quickly enough. One of the two most common things we hear. Okay. Number two, the most important thing for a recruit to do when contacting a college coach for the first time is blank. Uh, ex- genuinely express interest. Number three, the most effective free form of exposure that can help a recruit get interest from a college program is blank. My answer wants to be hustle and play hard. Nothing wrong with that. Number four, the biggest key to being a successful college baseball player is blank. Time management and commitment. Number five. If a recruit doesn't hear back from a program of interest the first time they reach out, their next step should be to do blank. Uh, reach out again. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with uh, being a repeat offender of, of saying, hey, I'm genuinely interested in your program. Great answers. Love it. Um, I know you've got a ton going on right now. You're in the middle of a crazy season. There's two other questions that I do want to get to. Absolutely. Um, Number one is something that we ask every person that comes on this show, and that is if I'm a ninth grader or I'm a high school baseball player and I want to play college baseball, what's your best piece of advice for making that happen? First off, don't rush. Like, don't don't rush in your mind, first and foremost. Don't think that, oh, I'm a freshman in high school now. I've got to think about college. One, one, one piece I always – perspective I always try to put it in to get players and families to calm down is you know if they're a freshman in high school you know like hey you realize you still have a hundred percent of your high school career left and you're stressing about college or you know they're a sophomore you still have 75 percent of your high school career left what are you stressing about college about you know and usually that kind of makes people step back and like wow I didn't, I didn't really think of it that way you know um you know being in just an athletic sorry baseball any sport like is really big on the whole 
you know, like motivational quotes and this, that, and the other. And I, I think a really popular one, popular one right now um, is be where your feet are, you know, and mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing I would tell a freshman is like, just be a freshman in high school and just, and just worry about getting better. Worry about like having a role on your, on your JV or varsity team first and, you know, progressing from there um, and, and really being where your feet are, like living in the moment, like taking each day. And I know these are all cliches that people hear all of the time and, and all avenues of life, especially within sports. But like it, there's, there's a reason why it's so common and considered a cliche is because there's so much truth to it as um, you know, so that would be the biggest thing that I would tell freshmen is just slow down and just get to realize you need to be building yourself as an athlete and a player. And just like anything that has been, that is great. It's not built overnight. You can't do the express version and get greatness. So just understanding that's like, it starts now, but you really just kind of kind of chip away at it, chip away at it. And then the next thing you know, you're going to take a step back and you're going to be way closer to the destination than you ever dreamed you would be just because you were worried about the journey each day as opposed to the final destination. Love it. Process oriented answer. Love that. And then the last thing we wanted to ask you about, uh, and you touched on this a little bit right after we introduced you, but you know, you've been a, a coach at every level of high school baseball uh, with high school programs, with competitive travel ball organizations in a facility. I want you to give some advice for parents and, and players that kind of have their feet in, in these different arenas. So for players that are playing on multiple teams or training in multiple places, um, and, and I know the guys from 108 Performance Baseball uh, talk about bridging the gap as well. I think it's a, a great term, but what can a player do to help make sure that everyone is on the same page and pulling the rope in the same direction when they're, um, you know, when they're playing travel ball and playing high school ball and maybe at a facility, if, if they have their feet in, in different places, what's the best thing they can do to help make that work smoothly? You know, I'm going to kind of give like two different answers for that. First off, I think in the whole selection process of like, who you're going to kind of build is your team of people that's helping you, whether it's you have a strength conditioning coach and a, you know, maybe a guy that you hit with, you know, on a regular basis or do pitching instruction with. And then, you know, are those people, is there a way that you can have those people already in your built-in networks, whether it's like, all right, you know, maybe the guy I hit with also plays for X travel ball organization, like coaches of them, like, like I should look at that travel organization as a serious consideration of who I want to play for because of that. Right. Because then you're just building in the networks on top of each other. I do realize that that's not always possible. So sometimes it is to where, Hey, like you talked about one way performance where they, they don't have travel ball teams. Right. So that's really all they do is the training part of it. You know, I think, once again, I, I do a little bit of all that, right? At Turn 2 Sports Performance at my facility, I have players that play for other travel organizations that don't play for power baseball, the one, you know, the one that I help run and direct. So there's times to where I feel about a certain player or the player says he's getting certain feedback. I know for me, I'm not afraid to get on the phone with those guys, right? Or if a player has ever asked me, like, hey, like, you know, I know you don't ever get to see me on a field and I'd send you video. We work together. Everything's great. But, you know, like, 
do you think you could call my travel ball coach and maybe see if you guys are on the same page where you think I'm at? Like, I'd be more than happy to make that phone call or take that phone call. So, um, in the same way we're talking about recruits don't need to be afraid to ask questions as long as it's tactfully done to college coaches about the, the whys or they have deadlines or the whys they do things that they do mm-hmm. at their program. I think it's the same thing here. Like players cannot be afraid to talk to the people that is kind of within their inner circle of helping their development to say, Hey, do you think, you could reach out to this person who's my travel coach or my strength coach or whatever to make sure we're all on the same page. Because if, if, if that coach, that trainer is genuinely interested in the play, the player getting the most out of himself, then he would be more than happy to get on the phone and talk about and make sure there's a good wavelength of communication within all the players networks. Communication, 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 right? No, hundred percent. Like we were talking about earlier, like I know it's beating a dead horse, but like having communication and interpersonal skills, like it's just those skills are going to be relevant in any area, not only within what a player's current current development or recruiting process, but really any other area of life he's going to be in, both personal and professional. Yeah, and it all gets back to just taking ownership and and taking leadership and not being scared to make mistakes, right? Um, because if you're surrounding yourself with people that truly care about what's best for you, uh, they're going to be understanding and they're going to they're going to want to help you bridge the gap rather than, you know, create that divide. There's no doubt. Right now, if I can just give like an example of that is I mean, there's there's look at the end of the day, I want players to feel comfortable with the decisions that they're making for their career, because that's one thing I'm telling them all the time is they want to ask me a question and their mom or dad wants to ask us a question. And they pretty much want us to just tell them an answer. And a lot of times I'm like, look, I'm going to strongly suggest this. But remember, I already played college baseball. Like I already went through the recruiting process. Like, yeah, I'm here to guide you. But at the end of the day, like, I don't want you to go to X school or, you know, you know, talk to Y coach because I told you to. Like, because even if, because if you really don't want to go to that school, but it's because I think it was – if 10, 15 years from now, you know, you're all sort of even just a handful of years later, you're just like, well, I never really want to go here anyway. I did that because you told me what was best. Like then like that, that's, that's going to be hard for me to sleep at night. Right. But I want players to make their own decisions. Now I'm going to strongly suggest things that I think need to be strongly suggested. However, they still need to take ownership. Like you put it of their own career. And that starts, and that's with every decision that's going to be made in the process. Love it. Love it. Definitely look forward to having you back as a guest on this show again. I know there's no shortage of topics that we can get into and uh, your energy and your honesty is, is appreciated. It helps uh, balance out my IBM computer voice. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, love talking baseball with you. Uh, hope you'll come back and, and join us again sometime soon. Yeah, man. absolutely, man. I would love to, man. Any topic there is, like I said, there's there's no shortage of topics, man. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's talking about base running or recruiting or even just to even come back to tell some stories and just kind of leave out the names and the coaches and the programs to kind of give some people some examples of some of the different things of experience, man. Would love to. Would love that. Thanks for joining us, Demps, and, and we'll definitely check in with you soon. Awesome. Thanks again. Thanks for tuning in to College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast brought to you by Keep Playing Baseball. As always, if you need more information on the college baseball recruiting process or what it takes to play college baseball, 
You can find that for free on our website, www.keepplayingbaseball.org. You can also track us down on our social media accounts. That's Twitter, at KeepPlayingBB, Facebook, KeepPlayingBaseball, and Instagram, uh, handle at KeepPlayingBaseball. That's it for this episode. We look forward to catching you next time. Until then, take care.